RadioInfluence.com. He got him in the white trunks. He heard him. Beautiful. Oh, God. That's beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the top. Wow. And he's a midget. And it's all over. It's nice. all over. First round knockout. He's out. Rich Franklin retains his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up, everyone? Welcome into this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, this is the interview edition of the show, and I've got one fire interview coming up here on this episode of the podcast. You're going to hear from a fire that's going to make her professional debut in Titan FC. She's a local fire here in the Tampa Bay area. Had a chance to uh, get get to know her about uh, her martial arts journey and of course uh, leading up to a pro debut cup here at tight fc and that is lauren bensinger as you're going to have a chance to uh, hear the conversation i had with lauren uh, i had a chance to uh, catch up with her on friday talk to about everything about uh, you know her journey in martial arts uh you know kind of you know the the long road it has been to this professional debut she's not fought in a couple years you know various things happen of course uh, everything you know kind of things happen in our life so you're gonna hear that conversation here in a moment now before we get into to the interview here on this episode of the podcast. I do want to talk about a couple of things that uh, was over there on the MMA Reddit. And uh, one of them, probably the more, most interesting things that I saw over there on the MMA Reddit channel was this video from Aljamain Sterling's YouTube channel, which uh, was titled Squashing the Beef with Raul Rojas. And I want to let you hear what Aljo said here on his YouTube channel. Talking to Raul was cool. Learning lessons, man. I think um, he saw the message that I put out on Twitter, and then from there, he reached out to me on IG. I told him to come down, like, yeah, let's talk. Came down, I wasn't sure if he was. He said he was gonna come down. And I just kind of picked his brains, like, asking him, like, who's he training with, who's he sparring with, who's in his corner, um, who's his MMA coach, and things like that. Letting him kind of do the talking. I don't want to talk too much. I like to listen and almost, like, let people figure out their own problems by just someone else hearing them out. I offered him to come train. I think uh, tomorrow we might get some work in. More so just drilling. He's a young kid, man. He's, he's got a bright future. Even afterwards, behind the cameras, I asked him about the whole thing. I was like, you can't be going scorched earth policy. Like, this is the the, the, the world war type of thing. And uh, he didn't even know what that was, I was like, which, was, which was funny. I was like, well, you can't burn your bridges everywhere you go. And he said he's still got a good relationship with most of these gyms, which is good. But he hasn't really gotten to sparring. And I invited him out, extended my hand. And I said, if you want to come out, come get some work in with us. We definitely like to have him. I think he's a talented kid. He's young. And he's one of those kids, like, super durable. When you get older, man, those bumps and bruises, sometimes you don't really want to go through those training sessions. So I think it's going to be very beneficial to have a young buck like that who can kind of run through a wall one day and get up and run through a wall the next day. There's going to be a lot of good things that come out of this for him. At the end of the day, like, I don't throw shade nobody's way. I, I think he did what he needed to do to help promote himself. And you might not feel like you're burning those bridges, but when you say stuff about certain people, sometimes those people, they hold on to that. Like, look at Izzy. <laughs> he held on to that. He's like Michael Jordan in the last dance. I took that shit personally. You know, so it was good to talk to him outside of all the cameras and his parents being there. I had to make sure I told him, I was like, hey, you can come down and we can talk, but please, respectfully, don't bring your parents. And uh, I'm glad he 
oblige that. So we'll see what comes out of this with the training, and um, he's going to be good. And there you have what Aljamain Sterling said over there on his YouTube channel. Got to give, uh, you know, I mean, look, whether you are a fan of Aljo, whether you, you don't care for Aljo, or you're indifferent, you got to really respect him for, you know, going out of his way, you know, reaching out. And as the title says on his YouTube channel, squashing the beef, beef with Raul Rosas Jr. And, you know, I think you know, there were several things I took away from what Aljo said there. I think one of the biggest things that really stuck out to me of what he said was, you know, hey, don't bring your mom and dad. Let's just have, sit there and have a conversation between, um, you know, Aljo and, and Raul. And I thought that was the one thing that really stuck out to me. And it's going to be kind of interesting, you know, and I mean, look, you've you've heard some, uh, you know, things out in Vegas about Raul Rosas Jr. Um, but, you know, one thing I, I've always heard is like, man, this kid on the ground is unreal. And I mean, look, we saw in his last fight. The, the stand the stand up aspect of the game is a work in progress. And, you know, I think you gotta give Aljo a lot of respect for, you know, opening up his his hey, come come with us. You know, let, let's show you the way when you're talking about a guy that, you know, you look at, you know, an eighteen year old prospect that could be the future of this division at some point. And I, I think you gotta give Aljo a lot of credit for reaching out and, and sitting there and having the conversation with Robert Rosas Jr. And it's gonna be interesting to kind of see, you know, how Raul uh, you know, he, you talk about how we deal with adversity and how we bounce back from adversity. It's going to be really interesting to kind of see, uh, you know, how does Raul Rosas, uh, you know, bounce back from adversity. But I saw that over the MMA Red, and I was I just wanted to share here on the podcast in case you had not seen it. The other thing that uh, stuck out to me over on the MMA Reddit channel was RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos Jr. He had this tweet where he says, I want to be very clear about the possibilities of me fighting at 155. There's only one scenario that I would go back to 155. One, fight for the title against Islam. Two, fight Connor. Other than that, don't even waste your time calling me out or tagging me. So, and I have seen various 155ers who have, you know, you know, going on social media and, you know, trying, you know, and tagging RDA, the fact that they want to fight him. But uh, you, you see it there. I mean, obviously, RDA at this point in his career wants to be at 170 pounds. But, you know, I, but you know, obviously, he's sitting back and saying, if, if I'm going to cut down to go to 55, you know, it's, it's got to be worth uh, what he wants to do there. But so I saw that kind of tweet uh very interesting of course so you know we've had uh, some lightweight matchups uh get canceled over the past couple of days you know the um Sarukian and Moncano fight got scratched that was going to headline the April 29th card also the co-main event of UFC 288 uh got scratched when Charles Oliveira pulled out of his fight against Benil Dariush I know uh there have been other fighters that you know have been calling out potentially get that matchup against Benil Dariush uh but once again I think it's uh you know something I it's I would seem like that maybe if it's not something too serious Maybe the UFC just looks to postpone that matchup. You know, when you look at that, uh, by the way, last night during the UFC Kansas City card, they did reveal the new uh, pay-per-view lineup for UFC 288. Of course, headlined by Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Uh, the new co-main event is now Jessica Andrade against Jan Janan. You got Drew Dober against Matt Fervola. Uh, Mozart Evalev taking on Bryce Mitchell. And Crone Gracie taking on Charles Jordan. That's kind of a interesting sight to see that they put Crone Gracie uh, there on the pay-per-view. Obviously, I think that's, you know, clearly they, they want to promote him a little bit there. But, uh, you know, I, I did see some people kind of, uh, you know, poo-pooing the UFC 288 pay-per-view fight card, which I, I get why people would say that. But, I mean, look if you're if you're going to fork over the money on espn plus to watch this pay-per-view 
you're doing it because of Sterling and Cejudo, which it's going to be interesting to see what does Henry Cejudo look like after, you know, the past couple of years away from competition. So that's going to be an interesting one. Then, of course, uh, last night was UFC Kansas City as Max Holloway goes out there and gets a unanimous decision victory that Garrett against Arnold Allen. Uh, I, I was actually out a little bit last night and I was watching that fight. And I mean, look, I, not really a, a ton of surprises in terms of how that went down, but that was definitely one of those. You know, it, it was one of those fights where and myself and, and Pete Rogers, we, we talked about over there on Fight HQ on Friday is the fact of it was really that it was a litmus test to see, you know, is Arnold Allen there? I mean, you know, you, you, show, you saw what he did there. Um, unfortunately, my guy Billy Corintel could get the win beautifully landed knee by Edson Barboza to knock him out there. In the opening round, uh, Ian Kutalaba, man, he looked great against Tanner Bozer. I thought Tanner Bozer uh, going down to 205 pounds um, for the first time. He, I thought from a, a physique aspect, I thought he looked good. But, man, Ian Kutalaba, he went out there uh, and, and very well. Uh, if you did not see, um, I know this clip's going around on, I want to say I saw it on IG, but it was Dana White talking about his displeasure, um, you know, for Claguia's actions after the fight was over and what you know the the basically the sums of what Dana White was saying is like hey man we're running a live event you know don't don't do a fake like you're going to retire just to wish someone a happy birthday so um but uh you know Hoffa Garcia I thought he he looked very good in terms of that one Pedro Munoz uh going out there 30 27 across the board I thought it might be 29 28 um Chris Gutierrez just couldn't get things going in, in that one um Bill Algeo TJ Brown if you did not see that fight man that was a great fight at one fight of the night Bill Algeo getting a submission there in the second round, Brandon Val, boy, did he look excellent, you know, and, and I thought that, you know, when you think about Brandon Val and, and you think about the type of fighter he is, I, one of the things that I think of is, hey, he's an exciting fighter, one, but also I, I look at it and say, man, this guy takes a lot of chances, and it's one of those things of you, you wondered if he was going to take chances where Nikolai was going to take advantage of, boy, man, Brandon Val looked very good, and, you know, when we're talking about this flyweight division and kind of how it's going to play out after, you know, UFC, what's that, 289? 290 the one that's july 8th that's uh when bram Moreno make his next title fence against alexander pantoja you got to imagine roy vows right there in that conversation of potentially who could potentially get that winner uh maybe maybe need to get one more win out there uh congratulations zach cummings getting uh you know a, a tko victory there in the third round as uh, he he announces his retirement, at Herman also announces his retirement last night, and uh, it's always you know this is one of those sportsmen, and and you know I don't believe that R word in MMA, I never have, never will, but it's always great to see a fighter go out with a win in retirement, but uh, who knows maybe Zach Cummings we we see him there uh, once again, and uh, you know so uh, great overall great night of fights there at UFC. Kansas City, of course. So we got the UFC. Uh, they're back in uh, Las Vegas coming up uh, for the Curtis Blaze and Sergey Pavlovich fight card. Uh, this will be our first fight in Vegas, and like, geez, like beginning of March, I want to say. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's been a while. I mean, the UFC has been. You know, they're getting back on the road. Uh, Ricky Samoa, Sonya Dung's on this fight card. Uh, Jared, uh, Jared Gordon and Bobby Green. That should be a, a fun fight between those two guys. I'll tell you, a, a fight that I think it could have uh, potentially you know really be a, an interesting and fun fight is actually a fight right now that's slated to kick off the main card. Matthew Schmelzberger and Jeremiah Wells. Of course, myself and Daniel will get more into this card coming up on Wednesday's edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, but I know you're here to listen to the interview, so let's get into the interview. You're going to hear my conversation with Lauren Bensinger, who's going to make her professional debut in Titan FC. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a fighter that has been a lifelong martial artist. I think that's about the best way to describe uh, her time in martial arts. Like, you know, Lauren, I was thinking about this, and and I was watching a a piece that a a local television station had done on you, and, you know, they're talking about, you know, how long you've been involved in martial arts. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of us, there's a certain time in our lives that we just don't remember. Like, you know, like if you sat there and said, hey, what was it like being six years old? I have no, no clue. Like, so like, do you remember like what drew you into martial arts? Yeah. You know, it's really strange. My parents saw that I was a very athletic kid, a very hyper aroused athletic kid. And they tried to put me into dance and I put on the tutu and immediately I had a fit. I threw the tutu off. I said, no. And then one day. We're driving past the grocery store and we see this tall man doing kicks outside of the building. And I'm like, what is that? I see this guy doing kicks and he's flying through the air. I tell my mom to stop the car. She stops the car. We meet him. He's a karate instructor, certified black belt, still one of my instructors to this day. And ever since I met him, he completely changed my life. I never stopped training. I entered the studio when I was five and a half and never stopped, literally. And now I'm 29 years old. It's been a really, really long 24 years of competing. Um, You know, four-time ATA state champion, two-time ATA world champion, um, certified national titles in Taekwondo, world titles in Taekwondo. I just never stopped ever since I was a little girl. You start young, it's the best thing to succeed in something. Anybody who wants to start a sport out there, any of these kids out here watching, starting young is the best thing to do for you. And of course, not just being, you know, a competing in martial arts, you're, you're teaching people martial arts as well. Like, you know, and, and I've had a chance to talk to a ton of fighters and, you know, sometimes, they'll, they'll, you know, the, the cliche they'll talk about is, you know, how, how martial arts really changed their life. And, you know, it, it got them off maybe a, a bad road that they were on. Like in, in terms of, of you just working with people every day, I mean, is it kind of a, is it almost one of these things that you look at and say, like, yes, the competitor me, I, I, I want to do this and, and I want to take it as far as I possibly can, but it's also about paying it forward? Yeah. Well, you know what? If you're doing something for a long period of time in your life, you're going to create some passion for it. You're going to have a drive for it. And for me, I have an undeniable passion for martial arts, for MMA, for all types of combat. And it's created a natural drive and natural motivation for me. And that translates into comp- competitions and competing. Competing is the best thing to do for you. I think competing is the best thing to do right now. It gives you some sense of urgency, gives you a sense of purpose in your life competing and trying to thrive at something and that's what i'm currently doing i have a huge professional debut coming up on ufc fight pass pay-per-view with titan fc you definitely do not want to miss it it's going to be insane um i've been trying to go professional in mma for quite some time and life's obstacles you know comes in the way and stuff like that but you persevere you keep pushing forward so that's going to be super super exciting um you know, I just, I want to represent unity. I want to bring peace and love to the city of Tampa. And that's, uh, that's something that's really important to me. You know, you mentioned about, you know, the upcoming pro debut in, in Titan, and it has been a while since you've been able to compete. And obviously there's, there's various reasons for that. Um, you know, as you think about the last four plus years for yourself as a, as a competitor, how do you describe it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a combination of really exploring things, a combination of really learning about myself and learning about my strengths and my weaknesses. I think a lot of people have struggled with this during, you know, COVID, have struggled with it during post-COVID, learning about their strengths, learning about their weaknesses, learning about what's going to make them thrive during this time and continue thriving in life. And that's kind of what I went through a little bit. But I've had the pleasure of training with almost every major MMA gym in Florida. I've trained with Team Kaizen. I've trained with American Top Team Tampa. Um, I've trained with uh, Tommy Carpenter's gym, Omega Jiu-Jitsu. I've trained with Hoon Park. Um, you know, it's been a pleasure. The MMA community in Florida is awesome. They're on fire. Shout out to Fusion XL Performance. I'm actually in Orlando right now training with their gym. And they have a ton of UFC fighters, a ton of beasts at that gym. And they are changing my life. They are giving me purpose. And everybody just hold on to your purpose and what brings brings you brings meaning to your life. What is that purpose for you in life? For me, it's to be a legend in the martial arts industry. Obviously, I'm one of the most decorated martial artists, uh, female martial artists, especially with my world titles in Taekwondo, state titles in Taekwondo, world national titles in karate, and now moving on to the MMA circuit, trying to take over that circuit currently, um, as well as jiu-jitsu, uh, winning that bronze at Jiu-Jitsu World League, attacking the jiu-jitsu circuit last year. I really just want to be the most decorated martial artist, one of the best to go down in history, and that's what brings me purpose in life. And it's just, it's been such an honor to train with one of the top gyms in the country over here in Orlando, Fusion XL Performance. And um, I'm excited for the fight. I couldn't be more ready. I can tell you right now, it's going to go three rounds. It's going to be a unanimous decision. And uh, let's go. You mentioned a little while ago, you talked about, you know, learning about yourself. And is that more on the mental side of the thing as opposed to the physical side? Yeah, so men learning about yourself is more mental. What you really want to do is have a high level of self-awareness. We have to be self-aware. And the best way to be self-aware is to have positive people around you, having the right people guiding you in life. Because when you're going on your journey, it's very spiritual. It's a very spiritual journey as an athlete, especially for me. And you have to surround yourself with the right team, with the right people who are going to steer you in the right direction. And for me, that's a huge key with Fusion XL Performance here in Orlando. They've got the best UFC fighters over at that gym. And I'm so excited to continue to move forward. I cannot wait. You know, various athletes will talk about how much of a sport is mental as opposed to the physical. Obviously, there's a physical component. You have to have the tools to be able to go out there and, and do what you do. But it's, you know, I've had a lot of fighters say they believe this sport is 70, 80% mental. Where, where does it kind of yeah. stack out for you? For me, honestly, I have a competitive edge. I do. I have a competitive edge. Um, when it comes to, you know, having a strong mental when it comes to competing, because I've been doing it since I was a child, you know, I started competing when I was 10 years old. I won my first state championship when I was 11. So for me, it's something that's instilled. It's something that I'm programmed to do. And so mentally that translates into my hard work, into my work ethic, into my training, into my competition. Um, for those of you who are just starting in competitions and starting to thrive at competitions, I would say work ethic is key. You get what you put out. Absolutely. 
And I know a big part of what's, you know, the message that you want to get out there is talking about how, you know, mental health, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. I, th- I think about, you know, it was a couple of years ago where I, I think for athletes, it, it wasn't something that was talked about in a public form. Uh, and the name that always sticks out to me where I think it's was really one of the first major athletes to do it was Kevin Love, the NBA basketball player, where he wrote the piece on the Players' Tribute. But I know this is a big yeah, thing for you yeah. about about what you're trying to do, you know, to and not just, you know, helping, you know, people who are in your school, but also people that just overall just are, are kind of looking for someone to talk to. Yeah, you know, mental health stuff right now, guys, you really got to find your tribe. You really got to have the right people around you. And therapy is key, having someone to check in on you every single week, making sure you're progressing with your thoughts, making sure you're progressing with your actions. And accountability, guys, if you don't have accountability, you really don't have anything. You have to have accountability over your actions, accountability over your thoughts, everything like that. That's super, super important. I mean, mental health, I'm very, very spiritual woman. If, you know, God is your higher power, if you're religious, that's more power to you. More power to you. It's always good to stay in tune with your higher power. That's going to steer you in the right direction. That's going to put you in the right mind frame. But God bless, you know, everybody that's going through mental health issues. You really just have to keep fighting. You can't give up the fight. Super important to keep fighting through it no matter what. Do you feel like martial arts is like your religion? I honestly do. I train religiously. I eat healthy religiously. I recover religiously. I sleep religiously. I really do think it's kind of like a religion for me because it's like a way of life, you know? And I, you know, after I win, it's like I worship the glory. I give all of the glory to God. And that's, that's a huge thing for me, staying spiritually connected. So I would recommend that as well for everybody out there listening to this. I think God is your savior. Come to him. That's really, really important. But I definitely look at MMA as something that has saved my life and has brought peace and love to all aspects, all aspects of my life. So I'm super thankful for that. You know, mention about being a trainer and one of the things of people come to martial arts for various reasons. You know, maybe maybe some of it could be, you know, hey, I, I, they want to compete. Maybe they want to, uh, you know, lose weight. Maybe it's about, you know, maybe a self-defense and, and maybe overcoming things in their life. Um, you know, and, and I know overcoming trauma is something that uh, is also a big part of the things that you're trying to do to help people out. Yeah, overcoming trauma, guys. The best thing to overcome trauma with is to be surrounded by love, positive uh, positivity, positive quotes, going online, looking up positive reinforcements, anything that you can do, positive messages throughout the day. That's what's going to heal that trauma. And also knowing that God is going to bring you a new light. That's really, really important. Your higher power is going to bring you a new light. So trauma, guys, overcoming that, making sure you're not revisiting your trauma, making sure that you're moving forward, making sure that you're being self-aware, you're holding yourself accountable, and you're taking the right steps to get healthy. That's really, really important. But love is the biggest thing that's going to heal trauma, love and unity and peace. You, you mentioned about the upcoming pro debut. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure this is something that's on your mind, you know, uh, at all hours of the day. Um, but, uh, as you think about, you know, how, how this pro debut is going to go, I mean, you mentioned about, you feel like this is going to be a 15 minute battle you're going to go through, but, uh, it was kind of your overall thoughts about the fight. Yeah, I'm super, super excited for the fight. It's going to be absolutely insane. I'm going to showcase all of my skills as a martial artist 
that's really, really important to me. I'm going to showcase the striking, as I always do. I'm going to showcase the boxing. I'm going to showcase my wrestling. But I'm really, really focused on my boxing this camp. I'm really wanting to get in there and showcase some of my hands. I'm working on my combinations, working on my speed, working on my precision. And that's going to be really, really important to me. I'm looking to exchange. I'm looking to get into the pocket. I'm looking for fireworks. I'm looking for those shots. Just beware, my opponent. Beware of that. I am. I'm looking for three rounds unanimously. Another win on the record. Right now, I'm on five straight, and I'm looking to go undefeated as a pro, and I'm super, super excited. I can't wait to go in there and absolutely kill it. Lex McMahon, the promoter and CEO of Titan FC, shout out to you. We've been trying to make this fight happen for a very, very long time, and now we're going to make it happen. So everybody, just get ready, sit back and watch. You're going to watch some world-class action from a world-class athlete. For for that fan that is going to be tuning in on UFC Fight Pass, and, and this is the first time they're getting the, to know who you are, not just as a martial artist, but as a person, what would you want that fan to, what would you want their takeaway to be of you heading into this one? Yeah, I want all my fans to know that I'm all about the unity, the peace, the love, bringing together the good vibes. That's what I'm about for this country, for humanity, and really, it's a sport. The sport is all love. May the best woman, may the best man win, and that's what it's all about. It's all love. It's about respect, and that's what my opponents, I want my opponents to know about me. I'm in there, and I'm trying to showcase my martial arts skills, and may the best person win. Lauren, I really appreciate you coming to the show. Have a great weekend. Have a good time over there in Orlando. Of course, uh, let her know they can follow you on social media about your gym and anything else you want to mention. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I want to thank you so much, Jason Floyd. Shout out to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let's do this, Titan FC. Let's go. And there you have my conversation with Lauren. I appreciate her coming on the podcast. She talked about her mixed martial arts journey. Is uh, you know she is a lifelong martial arts. Talking about how she got started in martial arts at five years old. Yeah, I can't remember what I was doing when I was five years old. That's just that's being brutally honest about that. But I uh, appreciate her coming on the podcast. Talk about kind of her journey in mixed martial arts. It's been a couple of years since she's had a chance to get inside competition. Of course, we look forward to seeing that pro debut there in Titan FC. Of course, uh, coming up this week in mixed martial. So before the interview, I was talking a little bit about the UFC Fight Night card, but we do have a pair of Bellator events coming up this weekend there in Hawaii. You know, on Friday night, you've got Liz Carmouche defending the women's flyweight title, taking out, being challenged by Deanna Bennett. Um, this is the Fight for the Troops uh, card. Uh, you know, on paper, not exactly the... Uh, the, the fight card that gets you all giddy, but uh, I'll definitely, uh, actually, I'll be in Tallahassee this weekend, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch these fights live or not. Probably will be watching them after the fact as I'm, I'm going up there for my niece's birthday. But uh, on Saturday, Bellator, man, I'll tell you what, they've got a great fight car on Saturday night, which, by the way, uh, I did not realize this. I was just looking at it, and I guess it does make sense here. The main card does not start till 11 p.m. Eastern time over on Showtime. I, I, you know, Typically, it's like a 10 o'clock, but I'm sure probably part of that has to do with the time difference there. Uh, in Hawaii, uh, the prelims are going to start at 8 p.m., and, uh, but that Saturday card, man, it, it's a great fight card. Of course, headlined by Rafael Stas taking on Patchy Mix, the Grand Prix final, the Bantamweight Grand Prix final between those two guys. Of course, Rafael Stotts, the current interim Bantamweight champion. And, of course, Patchy Mix looking to get uh, to claim that title. Of course, the winner of this one would be then setting themselves up to get the winner of the upcoming Bantamweight title matchup as Sergio Pez returning from injury, going to be challenged 
by Patricio Pitbull as Patricio is looking to get his third weight division title in Bellator, which is just insane to think about. A guy that has been the longtime 45-pound champion. Of course, he won the lightweight bout, now trying to claim the bantamweight title. Also, you got the returning Elimelech McFarlane taking on a Kanana wannabe. Elimelech uh, you know, McFarlane, I didn't have a chance to, um, unfortunately, didn't have a chance to interview interview her leading up to this matchup. She's uh, she's one of my favorite interviews because she's one of these fighters I feel like you learn more and more about her every time she does an interview. I always walk away when I interview her. Of I feel like I get to know a little bit more about her. Also on this car, you got uh, Aaron Pico returning. Of course, uh, you know had that injury in his last matchup, taking on Otto Rodriguez. Uh, Ray Borg versus Koji Horiguchi. Of course, that's going to be at 125 pounds, which is going to be really interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I don't think Bellator gets into the men's flyweight division, but it'd be interesting if you were going to develop a flyweight division, you would clearly be developing it around Koji Horaguchi. Then we look at the preliminary cards, the, the fights that, that stick out to me with this one, uh, Maz Brunel, Justin Gonzalez, that, that's a good matchup at 145 pounds. Adley Edwards, Kai Kamaka, Kai Kamaka, one of those guys I, I've always enjoyed watching him uh, compete. Also, uh, my guy here uh, from Tampa, Alon Cruz, making his Bellator debut. He's taking on Bobby King. Not an easy matchup there for Alon Cruz. Of course, Alon, uh, you know, was in the UFC, um, got cut by the UFC, and, and got some wins there in Fury FC. Also, I did notice that um, Bellator just signed uh, Drell Hodge, who I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, who was the interim LFA Bantamweight champion. I, I, I saw a graphic on, I want to say it was on Facebook, uh, from his his management company uh, noting that uh, he had, he had signed with Bellator. So that's, that's a really nice signing. And I tell you, man, Bellator has done a great job of developing that 135 pound division. I mean, when you, when you talk about, you know, and, and I'm very big on, you know, Hey, let's, let's give people their flowers while they're here, you know, scenario. And I think we gotta give Bellator their flowers on, on how the, how well they have developed that men's 135 pound division. I think that it's, you know, they, they've, I mean, it's a great town. I mean, you talk about, you know, when you talk about the divisions that Bellator has the most depth in, Bantamweight is definitely one of those divisions. Featherweight, lightweight would be the other ones that, that really stick out to me. But do appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download, listen to this episode of podcast. Of course, a great way to show your support for the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, whether it's on the, on, on the audio side of the equation or on the video side of the equation over at the YouTube channel as well. So I'll be back on Wednesday as myself and Daniel Galvan will get you ready for this weekend's MMA action from the UFC, PFL, and Bellator.